Welcome to Dispatch in Depth, where we give you the stories behind the science of emergency dispatch. This is an official podcast of the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch, the world's leading authority in dispatch science. I'm your host, Becca Barris, writer and copy editor for the Journal of Emergency Dispatch. In each episode, we'll be bringing you stories of the fascinating people who work in this area. We'll give you their backstory, including how they got there, what they're working on, and what drew them to the field. These are people who represent the cutting edge in emergency dispatch, and I hope you'll join us to hear more about them. Welcome to Dispatch In-Depth. Today, we're talking with the raspy dispatcher herself, Ashley Valenzuela. In 2020, she decided to use her raspy voice and passion for teaching and learning to spread awareness of the life-saving impact 911 dispatchers have every single day. Ashley created the Raspy Dispatcher LLC with the purpose of becoming the premier affordable resource for aspiring and current 911 dispatchers. We're going to be talking about the resources her company offers, as well as preparing for life after dispatch. Welcome, Ashley. Hello, hello. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for lending us your raspy voice. <laughs> Thanks for thinking of me. I really do appreciate it. As is the custom with Dispatch in Depth, could you please give us a quick rundown of your career path? How did you get where you are now? Yeah, so, you know, I'm one of those weird folks who kind of always knew they wanted to be in law enforcement. You know, my dad used to watch cops a lot when I was a kid. America's the most wanted and conveniently would always say, yeah, they were last seen down the street. So naturally, I wanted to be in that field and that that job path. So I kind of always knew that when I was a kid in high school, thinking about college, um, I actually was fortunate after going to my junior college to be able to go to my undergrad on a scholarship which got most of my education paid for and allowed me to go right to my master's after getting my undergrad degree in administration of justice. I went and grabbed another degree in criminal justice as well, my master's. And from there, I kind of just was trying to be a basketball coach full time. And one day I was like, you know, I should probably go get into this field that I got all this education in that I always wanted to be a part of. And I started applying to a bunch of different roles and dispatch hit first. So that's how I found myself as a dispatcher. That's awesome. So how long have you been doing dispatch? About five years now. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And you're, you're still doing dispatch, right? Let's talk yes. dispatch is your side hustle. Oh, yeah. All this is is on the side. I still work uh, full time as a dispatcher. I lateraled from my larger agency to a smaller one in the Bay Area, but definitely still answering those calls. Cool. So in your current role in the smaller dispatch center, are you dispatching all three disciplines, fire, police and medical, just police, just fire, just medical? Just police. Okay. And uh, that is uh, uh, greatly by choice. I mean, I've always done police dispatching, but I always say you medical dispatchers, man, props to you because the amount of throw up or things put in places you're concerned about, you know, that I've transferred. I'm good. I don't, I don't want to do those. You're like, so. I don't want to hear it. Like if you know, yeah, even I can, if like, I can't see the blood, I'm imagining it and that's worse. Yeah. And you know, you have to kind of stay on the line to make sure like whatever got put there wasn't put there, you know, 
without consent. So you're like listening, like, do we have to go? And then you're like, oh, no, we're good. Finally, I can hang up. <laughs> I'm going to leave the paramedics to do that part right? of the job. Got this. Got this. <laughs> so that's really interesting because I feel like most people I speak with are kind of a jack of all trades, right? They do all of the disciplines or, you know, fire and medical, but not a lot of people I've talked to are just police. So that gives you a unique perspective for sure. Yeah. Why Why do you think there's a fundamental difference in how this area of public safety functions or is viewed by the public or by dispatchers as opposed to fire and medical? I think from the job aspect of it, if you're and if you're considering becoming a dispatcher, that's one of the things I kind of steer people to research and the departments they're looking at is what kind of setup do they have? Are they like me where they're only doing police and that's something you're interested in? Or are you someone who wants to be involved in the delivering the babies on the side of the road, you know, the providing CPRs? Because for me, like I'm not doing those things. I'm transferring them to the dispatchers who are trained specifically to handle those medical type situations. So if that's something that you're really interested in, it's something you should really be researching prior to applying for agencies, right? Right. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, when they think about dispatchers, you know, 911 dispatchers, they think it's just one job, you know, so you're going in for a dispatch job and you find out that the center actually only does fire or actually only does medical or only police. And so... Yeah, you, you have to look into it because the, the field is so varied. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, the way every center does the job is so unique and so different. I mean, I remember when I first started at my agency and I would call over to CHP and on a back line and asking them about something going on and they'd be like, hold on, and they'd start keying up talking to their officers while talking to me. And I used to think that is insane. I would never want to have to do both at the same time because my agency was split because we it was so big, we had so many people. Then I lateraled and now I'm doing both things at the same time. <laughs> and it's like, man, this is this is this is a crazy skill set, number one, to develop that radio ear while you're talking to someone on the phone and be able to split your brain in half really but just that that level of multitasking that every agency does so differently like being a lateral i really learned like this job can be done a hundred thousand different ways and by going to agencies and talking to different dispatchers you learn like how different everything can really be yeah for sure so pivoting a little bit the Raspy Dispatcher is an LLC. That's also the name of your YouTube channel, which your podcast is based off of the YouTube channel. The podcast is called Let's Talk Dispatch. Correct. So what kind of topics do you cover and what motivated you to spend your very limited free time providing support <laughs> to dispatchers? Well, the YouTube channel was the initial thing that kind of started, right? And I created it because when I was going to interview for a dispatcher, I had always wanted to be a cop, right? So I knew there was tons of material out there. There was books you could read. There was YouTube channels showing you how to jump over a fence. <laughs> and then so when I was going to be a dispatcher, I tried to look for those same type of materials, just information on how the process is going to look, what this critical test was that they're sending me to take. 
you know, what, what kind of questions they ask in their panel, things like that, that are there in masses, I would say for police and even firefighters and maybe probably EMS. But when I was looking for me for dispatch, there wasn't really anything there. And after I got through it and survived my 18 months of training and probation, I thought, you know, like I could put something together that just kind of provides information and kind of eases anxiety over this process to help folks get through it. And that's what kind of started the YouTube channel where I created these free fillable documents to practice data entry, map reading, dispatch multitasking, being able to choose what agency should go to this call in the corner while dealing with a completely separate call over here, really trying to mimic the types of things that the critical test is testing folks on, as well as other, you know, pre-employment tests that are out there. And then from there, I, I started like, oh, maybe I should talk to other people who are doing this job and like been through it and see what their experiences are. And that started another segment on my YouTube channel. And then it was like, well, I'm already doing the audio. I might as well just <laughs> clip the audio and make it into a podcast. So that's kind of how it all spiraled <laughs> into my free time. But we talk about everything. I mean, anything and everything dispatch related. If you're in the private sector, if you left dispatch and started your own training company or wellness company and that focuses on the first responder experience. I've talked to someone who's in finance now and wants to help folks, you know, secure their bag after they retire and they can enjoy the life after saving so many, you know. I've talked to a three-week dispatcher who was like, I really enjoyed all your resources and I, I lasted three weeks and I, I bowed out and I want to talk about that. You know, so really no topic is off limits. I talk to anyone and everyone about anything dispatch related. <laughs> yeah. And that's a really great attitude to approach this topic with this enormous, you know, topic of emergency response from a dispatch perspective. I also, I wanted to circle back to you were talking about when you were in the bigger agency in the Bay Area, how you were like, oh, I could never do this. There's something really encouraging about realizing that you can do something if you just practice it. Right. It's also really encouraging to have like the YouTube videos and the worksheets and things so you can practice before you get into, you know, the training or the hiring process. And you're like, I'm sorry, I have to do what I have to yeah. listen to this, but write this down. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it really is. It's And I feel like half the battle with, with our staffing issues and our shortages is uh, people getting over the anxiety of test taking, mm. right? Yeah. Like we hated it when we were kids. We're definitely going to hate it when we're adults. So the YouTube channel is just kind of trying to take away that anxiety like this isn't going to be the exact thing i mean it's it's made at my house it's a free resource i don't work for critical you know i don't have their formulas but in my experience improving these skills and having an understanding of even phonetics you know before going into a critical test where you're hearing you know long vin numbers helps you be able to retain those things better and you wouldn't know that unless you talk to someone in the field, right? Like who would think to learn phonetics before going into this process? You know, I didn't know. So it's just all these little things to really help when you go sit down in the real life world that you're like, oh, 
this is familiar. Like it might not be the exact same thing, but it's familiar. So it eases that anxiety a bit. Even with the panel interview, we got a bunch of like example questions that you should wear to panel, like the whole thing, and, you know, like bring multiple copies because there's going to be five strangers staring at you, you know, like those little things you just might not know. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's so smart because you're right. You don't know what you don't know which is a very cliche phrase, but there's a reason that it's cliche. It's because it's, it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For your three-week dispatcher, I'm betting they didn't really know what being a dispatcher looked like before they got there and did the training. And then they were like, oh, actually, this isn't for me. So if we can not weed those people out, but if we can give people an idea of what the job is like before you know, they spend 18 months of their time training for something they don't actually want to do. It saves everyone time. Yeah. And I mean, I also talked to a lot of dispatchers who, including the three-week dispatcher and current dispatchers are still doing it, who have talked about like horrible experiences in training Mm -hmm. and just having this like toxic, like illy feeling coming in to learn this tough job. And it's like, well, we should not be creating environments like that as trainers, as comm centers, like it should all be very welcoming and air quotes forgiving to a certain extent because this person is learning this tough job and like, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to take over while they're in training and, you know, but we're humans saving humans, you know, over the phone and you got to give people some grace to learn and, and comfortable to learn, right? Because you're super vulnerable doing this, like learning to step on the air and say something where people can actually hear you. I remember like my trainer, like go step and say like 10-4 and you're like, 10 four. <laughs> you're like, yes, <laughs> you're like did it, rocked it, rocked that 10-4. You know, and now I'm just like keying up and telling a whole life story, but it takes so much to get there. And I wouldn't be doing all this if I didn't have a successful training environment, right? Like if I hated my trainers, they made it miserable for me. I would never think to do this raspy dispatcher stuff because no one made me feel like I needed to pass it on, you know? Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. There's some saying about teachers. It's like, you're not just teaching the students you have currently. You're also teaching the students that they have. And like, it just passes on Mm -hmm. and on. And it, it goes both ways, right? If you have a trainer who's just like, I'm not going to say a garbage person. If you have a trainer that is suboptimal, right, chances are that you're going to, unless you make the conscious decision not to pass that on, you're going to pass that on to the people that you train. And then, yeah, it just swirls around. But if you do make the decision to help people and be like, hey, I didn't get this help, but I'm going to help you get it. It makes things better for everyone, really. Yeah, totally. And it, and it goes so far, right? Because my philosophy, and I don't know if it was taught to me when I went through my original training, which is like, these people are going to come through for you if you come through for them. Yeah. Right. And I think in general, you know, you got some people who work the system and are, aren't really good teammates. And, you know, we all know that person in the comp center. But I think most of the time, like if I'm getting forced in because I know my coworkers sick, I'm not mad about it because when I'm sick, I, I want people to just be willing to come in and work for me and it not be like this 
guilt trip, right? And so I think when when I can, I pick up those shifts that are like weird and funky so someone can go, you know, watch a movie with their kid, like whatever the thing is, when we make ourselves available while still taking care of ourselves, of course, but we create that team environment within our comm centers, it just goes such a long way for everyone's mental health in there, everyone's home life, you know, through this stressful job and creating that environment for these new folks from that moment that they hit with their trainer is going to impact that comm center for the whole entirety that that person's there. Yeah, absolutely. Right. First impressions are huge. They're so big. Yeah. So if someone comes into a toxic environment, they're going to be like, "Mm, this job is already really hard. If behind the scenes, if people aren't willing to give me some grace, like why should I be here? You know? Yeah, straight up. 12 hours of my day for what? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. And from people who understand how hard the job is, right? Like of, Mm -hmm. of anyone in the entire world, it should be your coworkers who know what you're going through. And if they don't have your back, man, like... That's a bummer. It sucks. And I would even go even a step further to say, like, for folks who have been doing this, because, you know, I'm still, you know, toddler stage. I've been five years in, you know, I'm not not a full grown adult yet. (laughs) But one thing that I witnessed from, you know, the dispatchers who've been here for, you know, 20, 30 years is when we're talking about policy and making changes, a lot of them had that you know, I walked uphill in the snow barefoot, you know, you should have to walk uphill in the snow barefoot. And I was like, well, I, I have thin skin. I, I don't like the snow. I did Iowa for two years in school. <laughs> I don't want to go back. So, you know, I think we really need to try to release that mentality. I mean, really as a whole, it, law enforcement, firefight, like all the things, this, the way we, we've always done it, like mentality, with the technology that's coming around with the forward thinking that's out there, especially with the kids who are younger than me, you know, like it's not going to fly. So we just need to release it and realize that we don't have to walk uphill in the snow barefoot anymore because the times and the technology are allowing us to do this job differently with less trauma, less stress, we're saving more lives. So it doesn't have to be that hard anymore. I think that's kind of what happens sometimes when we're bumping heads with our trainers have been doing this a minute. And it's like, it doesn't need to be like that anymore. Yeah. You know, it's already hard. Like, I don't understand why, <laughs> why anyone would want to make it even harder. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's one thing to say the job is hard enough. It really, really is anything that's extra on top of it. No. Yeah. You're like, listen, I I can't. I can't. And I won't. So yeah. here we are. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those things that I try to be really transparent with my Rossi dispatcher, you know, all the forms that I'm on it is just like, this job is great. It's not easy. And there are a lot of things you should consider if you're coming into this line of work that is not like a regular job. You know, and and I want to be real about those things because we need more dispatchers, but we need happy people doing this job. Yes. Yeah. The the last thing you want is to call 911 and have the other person on the line just like burnt out or jaded or any of those things. Yeah. That's not what you want to hear on your worst day. Right. You know, and. Yeah, say a step further, it's like, gosh, why are my people standing like that who I'm calling for help? I mean, no one's thinking that in that moment, but like <laughs> after the fact, yeah. it's like, gosh, what's happening over there where I can't get a good response from 
you know, my peace app. It's like, how can we change it? You know, how can we make these environments better? Yeah, exactly. And that's a great way to look at the world in general, but specifically this profession. So dispatch is a little bit funky in that people can people (laughs) (laughs) you're like that's it end the sentence (laughs) it'll be on the in our merch shop by the end of the day dispatch is a little bit funky (laughs) dispatch is a little bit funky in that you have people who work for you know three weeks and decide it's not for them or five years and then kind of do a lateral move or you know 20 plus years but no matter how long you've been in dispatch you need to prepare for life after dispatch, whether Mm. it's because you retired or you just need something different, right? Are there any videos or podcast episodes that you've put out that you recommend for listeners who need resources for that kind of life change? Yeah, you know, me and Casey Reeves, we actually did a virtual session when Gold Knights Report did their virtual conference. And it was basically on promoting yourself inside and outside of the PSAP. She has gone into the private sector. I'm obviously currently still in dispatch and we kind of hit it from both sides of that. And she used to be a 911 dispatcher and went through that growing pain of deciding to leave and kind of that fear of missing out and like what it's to look like. And I'm not going to be answering 911. I'm not going to be in the dirt anymore. Like what, what does that look like? So she came on for an episode on Let's Talk Dispatch. So that would be a great listen. From farm girl to soldier to 911 dispatch with Ida Beams. I mean, she's amazing. She's in the private sector as well. And just kind of talked about her journey. I mentioned a little bit earlier, Amanda, she came on to an episode with me. She's in finance now. That, that episode's called Scare the Bag. <laughs> so <laughs> she talks about her 911 experience and then moving into a whole nother setup in, in finance and helping people save responsibly. So I would say that any episode that I'm talking to someone who is no longer in dispatch, we're talking about that journey because I'm asking them, how'd you get into public safety and how are you where, where you are now, right? And I think... For us as dispatchers, we we have a fear of missing out. You know, like when I left my large agency, we ended up having, gosh, I want to say a month after, there was a big mass shooting in our downtown area. And I had a lot of like FOMO there in the sense like, should have been there. You know, those are my people. You know, I should have been answering calls that night. That would have been my shift. But sometimes, you know, you got to leave and you got to make moves that are best for you. And if that means that you're leaving 911 and going private or going to a completely different career, that is okay. Like, don't let anyone make you think that you need to stay because the staffing is staffing. It's always going to be a problem. Correct. It's not, you're not going <laughs> to save it. You know, like yeah, it's yeah. always going to be an issue. So you have to really listen to your own inner self and figure out, are you happy here? And if you're not happy here, why is that? can you change it? Is it something that you can change or is it outside of your control? And then we have to really analyze, well, what do I like about this job and where can I find that somewhere else? That's a really smart way to look at it. And it's always good to have allies in dispatch, right? So if people do leave and, you know, are in the private sector for 911, right? Working for a tech company, working for a training company or whatever, or if they did a 180 and are in finance, like your friend Amanda, 
it's not a bad thing to have people out in the world who know what it's like to be a dispatcher and you can like yeah. talk to people about it and be like, hey, just so you know, when you call 911, they're going to ask all these questions. It's not delaying the ambulance, right? Because it's easier for someone to kind of take that in in a moment when they're not, you know, full stress mode. As opposed to, you know, they're calling because grandma's on the floor and the person's like, I'm sorry, this isn't delaying an ambulance, but you're not thinking about it. You have lizard brain like you're just really stressed. It does take some readjusting in the brain, right? Especially since a lot of dispatchers, most dispatchers I've met are very type A personalities mm-hmm. where they're like, go get them. I have to save the world by myself. <laughs> you don't. You don't. A, you don't you save the don't. world by yourself. There's a whole it team. It's actually more fun to save the world in, in pairs, at least. <laughs> exactly, right? You gotta have a buddy. Minimum it's the buddy pairs. system. <laughs> right? Minimum. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has to still use the restroom when we're saving the world, right? You yes. Know, like it gets oh my bigger. gosh. Yeah, you you may be superhuman, but is your bladder superhuman? I ask you. Right? <laughs> cool. Well, I'm going to wrap up here. Ashley, what is one thing that you would like listeners to take away from this episode? Something to do or something to think about? Well, first, shameless plug, follow the Raspy Dispatcher do on it. all the things. <laughs> That's the do. <laughs> I'm literally at the Raspy Dispatcher on all the stuff. So definitely check me out. Give me a follow. But the thing that I think folks should take away from this episode, from what we're trying to do here at the Raspy Dispatcher, is just kind of like check in with yourself and what are you doing to impact your comm center as a dispatcher. Now, not everyone's going to go out there and want to do a podcast, want to interview and, you know, do this type of things. But what are you doing when you show up to work that's creating a positive ripple effect in your comm center? If you're not doing things that are causing a positive ripple effect, what can you do? And it could be something so simple, you know, as saying good morning when you walk in the room. Like, it doesn't have to be deep, you know. It, it can just be how are you affecting your comp center? Is it positive or negative? If it's negative, are we are we burned out? Are we needing some extra support? You know, and if we're just like, I just like to read my book, like how can we incorporate the team a little bit and make everybody uh, have a, a more pleasant 12-hour experience, you know? That would be my big takeaway is like, what can you do in your day-to-day in your comp centers to make a difference in the in the morale that's in your centers? Yeah. And that is something so easy and so personal, and it's going to look different for everyone. Exactly. All right, listeners, if you have questions or you would like to hear us talk about a topic or talk to a certain guest, go ahead and email us at dispatchindepth at emergencydispatch.org. And we will have links in the show notes to the Raspy Dispatcher and Let's Talk Dispatch. And Ashley, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dispatch in Depth. Remember, it really helps if you rate and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dispatch in Depth is hosted by me, Becca Barris. I'm also the technical director and producer, and Matthew Maiko is the executive producer. 